the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always an honor. Today is Friday, December the 13th, 2019, in the year of our Lord. Today, in 1918, President Woodrow Wilson arrived in France. He became the first chief executive, first president to visit Europe while in office. Today, in 1944, during World War II, the cruiser, light cruiser USS Nashville was badly damaged Japanese kamikaze attack off Negros Island in the Philippines claimed 133 lives. Some of those 133 lives were people from the Northwest. In 1951, today, after meeting with FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, President Truman, Harry S. Truman, a Democrat, (laughs) he vowed to purge all disloyal government workers. The story is that after talking to J. Edgar Hoover, I don't, I can't verify this, but I have read this. Truman walked out of the meeting, or I guess it was in his office, but the Oval Office, but he left the meeting and he said, I can't believe what I just heard. Corruption isn't new to our generation. It isn't new to our circumstances that we're facing today. I'll be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. Today in 1977, an Air Indiana Flight 216, a DC-3. I don't know if you've flown on a DC-3. I have in Vietnam when I was involved in mission uh, ministry. I flew around on several of those um, in Vietnam. One of them blew up in the air not long after I got off of it, actually. But the DC-3 was carrying the University of Evansville basketball team on a flight to Nashville. It crashed. It killed all 29 people on board, the entire basketball team, all the coaches and the people that were traveling with them. It was a horrible, horrible experience. The nation grieved. I mean, just think of it on the way to a basketball team and game and the whole team, the whole group is lost anytime there's a loss. But this somehow touched America and it it lingered in our minds. That was today in 1977. Today in 1993, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled five to four that people were entitled to a hearing before real property, real estate, linked to illegal drug sales, could be seized. It was a big deal. Today, in 1997, a ribbon-cutting ceremony was held in Los Angeles. The Getty Center, it's one of the largest art centers in the United States, was opened. cost a billion dollars back then to build it. Today, in 2001, the Pentagon publicly released a captured videotape of Osama bin Laden in which the al-Qaeda leader said the deaths and destruction achieved by the September 11 attacks exceeded my most optimistic expectations. Today in 2003, Saddam Hussein was captured by U.S. forces while hiding in a hole under a farmhouse in Adwar, Iraq, that's very close to his hometown, to Kurt. Remember the images of that? The guy that had been so pompous and so 
you know, huge, defying the U.S. and everything and everybody that believed or felt as we do. He crawled out of a hole near a farmhouse not far from his hometown. Life can end that way. It doesn't have to, but it can. Saddam Hussein had invested everything that he was and hoped to be in his political position. And that's how it ended. Life is bigger than that. It's bigger than politics. It's bigger than even our human dreams and aspirations. It all comes down. There's a spiritual component in everyone's life. Those who are wise recognize that. And they make it right with God. And making it right with God has to do with accepting Jesus Christ as God's son. Not just a baby in a manger or a emancipated, emaciated man hanging on a cross outside the city of Jerusalem. Jesus Christ is the only begotten son of God. He was born of a Virgin Mary, laid in a manger, much like we see during this Christmas season. The, the images of it. He had a ministry on this earth. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He gave his life on a cross willingly and he rose from the dead. If you believe that and confess it with your mouth and accept Jesus Christ and ask him to come into your life, it doesn't matter what church you attend. It doesn't matter whether you're a Protestant or a Catholic or whatever. What matters is what we do with Jesus Christ, that baby that we see, hopefully see, many times during this season, lying in a manger. He didn't remain a baby. He became a man, but he didn't remain a man because he was God. And God raised him from the dead. And what we do with Jesus Christ determines the outcome of our lives. And in a lifetime of ministry, I've seen the results. The people that embrace Jesus Christ have life and life more abundantly, even during the difficulties, the struggles, the trials that all of us face in our lives. There is a joy that's unspeakable. You simply can't describe it. The joy of the Lord that comes into our hearts, even through the toughest times, the darkest times in our lives. It's there. We don't rejoice. We don't feel joyful because of our difficulties and challenges, but we we feel joyous because of Christ and in spite of the circumstances in our lives. But the end is the ultimate. And what we do with Jesus Christ in this life, which is a vapor, the Bible says, has to do with where we spend eternity. And I would just encourage you, you may be a regular church attender, you may be very... Um, much involved in care about politics and all that's going on in our world, and thankfully you should be. But there is this issue with the heart, and it, a church membership doesn't quite get it. It's a matter of where, what your relationship is with Jesus Christ. And I would just encourage you in the course of what I want to talk to you about today, I would encourage you to check that out in your own heart. You know if you've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and if you haven't, please do so now. 
because now is the appointed time. I didn't plan to say what I'm saying right now, but I just felt led to do so. So I'm doing it. Make this a matter of thought, a matter of prayer. If you do not know that you know Jesus Christ personally, this moment is your moment. I believe God impressed me to share this. It's not a part of what I planned to say this morning. We'll move on to other things, but this was for you. The House Judiciary Committee approved two articles of impeachment against Trump after a dramatic three-day session. After more than 12 hours of debate yesterday, some of the some of those guys that if you watched any of it on television, some of those guys were sitting there. You know, they all have laptops there. I mean, everybody does, and they have their stuff on there, and their staff is feeding them information on the screen and everything. It's great. I mean, that's how things work. It's wonderful, really, especially if you're the person talking. But it was observed that some of those guys, the Democrats that were sitting there, when they spoke, they were railing and anguishing over how we were the Trump was and the Republicans are destroying this country. And yet there were several of those Democrats. They were caught watching golf, some golf tournament on their laptop during that session yesterday. The laptops are always turned. The cameras are looking at the people up there. And so you can't see what's on their screen. They were sitting there watching golf. And Jerry Nadler, the guy who is so passionately in charge, I mean, this is a dream come true for little Jerry, but he fell asleep again this second time. The second time during these hearings, he fell asleep. His head went down. He even slobbered a little bit. Boy, I don't know. Sleeping and watching golf. Well, they're proceeding with what they say is one of the most important moments in the history of the United States of America. And then last night, after 14 hours, they were leading up to take a vote. Jerry Nadler suddenly just raised his gavel that he's almost worn out in this thing. And he beat his, his desk there and he adjourned. The Republicans were beside themselves. They couldn't believe what was going on. They were out there talking to the press, and they were, I mean, they couldn't find words, and these guys are well-spoken. They couldn't find words to describe. They said he had told them for sure they would take a vote last night. And then he just gaveled, and he said adjourned. Why did they do that? He said, well, it's tired. We need to go home and get some rest. It's late. And he said, we're tired. They'd been in session 12 or 14 hours. And he said, we need to go home, get some rest, reconsider this, think deeply, come back and vote tomorrow, which is this morning. And they came back this morning and they voted along party lines, as was expected. They approved, the Democrats approved the two articles of impeachment. But this morning, this guy, Ted Deutsch, he's a Democrat from Florida. He's on the committee. He told CNN this morning, about an hour ago, he said one of the reasons why we on the House Judiciary Committee decided to delay voting on the impeachment articles last night is because he said it was getting late, and he said we thought maybe people wouldn't stay up that late to watch television We want America to watch us vote these two articles against Trump. He said that. 
on CNN this morning. So they cut it off last night, adjourned just before the vote, so that more people could watch it on television this morning. He admitted it. Joel Polak wrote an interesting article this morning. He said Democrats insisted this week that they had to impeach President Donald Trump because our founders feared a king. Polak wrote what they forgot or never learned is that our founders feared the tyranny of the legislature as well. And they did. He quotes Alexis de Tocqueville, whom I quote often on this program. He has He's written a, he's written a, it's like a treatise. It, it, I mean, it's a book, but it, man, it's, it's like 900 pages. I've read the whole thing. It's called Democracy in America. And in that, Tuckabelli warns that democracy could be destroyed by two forms of dictatorship. The despotition, uh, uh, the despotism of a, of a single ruler and the tyranny of the majority. And both of them are based in the writings and the discussions and even the Constitution of the United States. Tuckavelli in his book quotes Thomas Jefferson's letter to James Madison. It was written in 1789, in which he said, I'm, I'm quoting uh, Jefferson, the executive in our government is not the sole, it is scarcely the principal object of my jealousy. The tyranny of the legislature is the most formidable dread and will be for many years. Tocqueville also, in his book, quotes James Madison's argument in The Federalist. I think it's number 51. It's 50 or 51. Arguing for the separation of powers among the several branches by warning the concentrated power in any one branch that it would be very dangerous. And there's a long argument made by Madison in this Federalist. Many of us saw the election of Trump, I did for sure, as a restoration of the constitutional balance that our framers intended. Because we haven't had presidents that stood up for really anything other than a far-left agenda by the Obamas. But Democrats have been determined, they're committed to undo this 2016 election. That's what this is about. Hillary Clinton is out there yesterday with her arms stretched out and that silly smile on her face. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I mean, she wants to be president. She can't let it go. She just can't. She said she drank wine and walked in the woods for days and weeks after she lost the election. I don't know if she's still drinking wine now, but she's not walking in the woods. She's finding every camera she can find, getting in front of it, and people are swooning. They took a poll this last week. I don't know if it's an accurate one or not, but they took a poll just or this week, actually earlier this week. And if Hillary, if Hillary Clinton steps back into this um, campaign, for a Democrat nominee for president, she leads. She's ahead in this poll. She's ahead of Biden and Buttigieg and Warren and all these, Bernie and all these guys. It's unbelievable. That's what this is about. They just couldn't accept the will of the people. Interestingly enough and ironically, the very legislature that our founding fathers said they too can become a king, have become a king in their own minds. And they're saying, well, we let you vote because we believe in voting in America, but we're not going to abide by your vote. We're going to overturn your vote. 63 million people voted for Donald Trump for all kinds of reasons. And there's a group of people in Washington, D.C. who are far, far, far left 
And they're saying, we won't accept the will of the people. And that's what this is all about. The framers did not merely want to prevent a monarchy. They also wanted to prevent a runaway, out-of-control parliament. Because that's what they had seen. That's what they fled. They got on little wooden boats and came across the ocean to get away from that. This is why they created a strong executive presidency, one that would not serve at the pleasure of Congress as the British Prime Minister serves at the pleasure of the House of Commons. By the way, speaking of the House of Commons, yesterday (laughs) England said no to the European Union. Again, and they said it forcefully. They elected Johnson, who says, we will exit. And they will. That was huge in Europe yesterday. It'll be in the news today as this other stuff about in our own issues here kind of fade out into the news. Yeah, it was a big deal. The people there took a very um, conservative right turn in their voting in Great Britain yesterday. But Democrats noted over and over again in this Judiciary Committee this week that the Constitution vests sole power, sole power, I heard that a thousand times and I, I really didn't watch that much of it, in the impeachment in the House. That's true. It does. It will now go to the Senate and if the Senate doesn't approve their impeachment, the president will not be removed, but he'll have an asterisk, an impeachment asterisk by his name. And they know that, and that's what they want. Anything to weaken this president. I'm not speaking in defense of Donald Trump. I'm speaking in defense of the American way. I voted for Trump, and I'll vote for him again. Because I felt that was the best choice. It wasn't my first choice, but it was the best choice, the only choice. And millions of us felt that way. And he has stood up more, honestly, he stood up more for religious freedom, more for, I talked yesterday about these worship leaders, if you were listening, you remember, and if you weren't, you should know about. In fact, I wrote an article about that yesterday on our faithandfreedom.us website. It's called Faith and Freedom Daily. If you go to that website, faithandfreedom.us, there's a lot of faith and freedoms out there. In fact, I've had to put my name on this ministry I mean, not that I didn't want to. I just hadn't. There's so many faith and freedoms out there today. There's even a there's a Mormon group that's called Faith and Freedom. There's a there's a Muslim group that's called Faith and Freedom. There was nobody called Faith and Freedom. I mean, officially, when we started this blog, this article that we published back in 2004. But now there's a whole bunch of them, so we put our name on it. So if my name isn't visible there, you're on the wrong site. But it's faithandfreedom.us. And you'll see that article, and in there are some videos of people in the White House, worship leaders from across America, and they're worshiping God. And there's old Vice President Mike Pence right in the middle of them. And they're just worshiping the Lord, and they're praying for the country and praying for the president, asking God to lead us and guide us and forgive us and restore us. It's a wonderful thing. I wept when I watched it. That was yesterday, so you can see it there if you want to. There's a different article, and I'll get to that in a moment, on that website today. But this is why our founders created a strong executive presidency. They didn't want a repeat of what they had fled. And over and over this week, we heard, well, we're the sole power of impeachment. But they're not the absolute 
power of impeachment. President Trump is being impeached for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Obstruction of Congress means he didn't do exactly what they told him to do when when they told him. And the abuse of power is so subjective that everybody, even moderate journalists, are saying, boy, who can define that? Every president, someone wrote in one of the major newspapers this week, I read it, they said every president could be charged with abuse of power because every president does something somewhere along the line that could be said to be an abuse of power. It's just a matter of what the motivation of the accusers is. Madison warned, James Madison, one of our founders, that when a majority fraction could oppress a minority, the rights of the individual would never be secured. The weaker individual, in this case, appears to me to be a number of personal casualties, some of the guys that work for Trump, some of the elected officials who are conservative, who are Republican, they've just been run over. They've been abused during this process, Nunes and others. But it's also the 63 million people who elected Donald Trump. And that seems to be lost in all of this. Do these people really want to create an America where if a few elites in Washington, D.C. don't like the vote of the people, they just overturn it? That's where they're going with this. This is about much more than Donald Trump. And a lot of people are beginning to recognize that. And unfortunately, some are not speaking out, but fortunately some are. A case this week, the press, and Tocchiavelli mentioned this in his, in his book, his big, big book. He mentioned the newspapers, the media. He called it the newspapers because that's what they knew back in the 1800s when he wrote this thing. He came to America. He's a French historian. He came here and he toured the whole country. The, the overwhelming response that he had was that he had never seen religion and government tied in the kind of a relationship that he found here in America. And he said repeatedly that that must be the reason that America has prospered so much. That's what he said as a historian. He said in his country, that wasn't the case. But he said, we seem to be religion, Christianity, and the American government seemed to be walking in lockstep. This was the mid-1800s, early 1800s. That's why I read the book, because I was wanting to be informed and educated on what he had seen from his perspective in regards to the religious influence in America. But he said much more in the book. But that's why he was so taken by it all. He, he said there was an order here, even in chaotic times in politics, there was an order here that he had not seen anywhere in the world, certainly not in his own home country of France. The Democrats say they worry about the integrity of the 2020 election. But in this impeachment, they've destroyed that. From a human perspective, there's only one solution. It's to vote them out of office. And for the Christians who sit back and say, well, you know, I really don't want to be involved in politics and I just don't, I boy, I don't think Christians should get in. I'll vote, but I just, boy, Donald Trump has had divorces and all this kind of thing. And I, and they end up, and well, I'll just vote for Hillary. Good grief. What's the matter with us? This is where that takes us. There are no perfect candidates. The only perfect candidate was not a candidate. He was God himself. 
Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the only perfect person that has ever walked on the face of this earth. All the rest of us are broken and flawed. And we make our choices in the arena of the broken and the flawed. But I'll tell you, there is one more (laughs) ultimate solution. And that's to appeal to the God who created us all. To pray. To repent. To ask God to restore our nation. And vote. And vote for the person who most, most likely will stand with you on your most deeply held beliefs. The left does not do that. If they did, I would say so, because I'm not driven by party politics. I'm not. I know a lot of Republicans say they're not either, but some of them are in spite of it, but some of them aren't. Vice President Mike Pence introduced himself to the nation. He'd been a governor and, and of course, in Congress before that. But he introduced himself to the nation as vice president. He said, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. He said, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He said, secondly, he said, I'm committed to my family. And thirdly, he said, I'm a Republican. I think that puts it all in perspective. And that's what I'm talking about. I wrote an article today that I want to encourage you to read. I had intended to get into more of this on this article today. Time Magazine, as you probably know, has chosen the, excuse me, 16-year-old Greta Thunberg as their person of the year for 2019. She no longer goes to school. She's dropped out of school, at least for the year. She's traveling the world. She's yelling and screaming, literally, I'm not overstating that, yelling and screaming at vast audiences now, including the United Nations. I'm not a fan of the UN, but, and she's telling them that they're destroying her future and all because they won't fight climate crisis. That's why she's on the cover of Time Magazine this month and why she was chosen as Person of the Year. What you may not know about her, though, is that she is a child that suffers from some very um, acute and some very serious uh, medical and emotional problems. She has been uh, diagnosed with um, a number. She she has Asperger. She's borderline uh, autistic. I mean, that's a fact. And... I see the left using her and pushing her forward. And I see now Time Magazine pushing her forward because who wants to take on a child? And they know that. And they're, they're ta- I, I think it's abuse. I would encourage you to read that. It's on faithandfreedom.us. I would encourage you to read that article today. It's, I think it's inform- informing. I think it's includes some information that many don't know. And she's being pushed around the world and used, and I believe abused, by the left. So I would encourage you to read that. I also wanted to take a moment today to thank you for your support of this ministry. Started several years ago now, and each day, each month, honestly, we just, by faith, continue to do what we're doing. And God continues to speak to people to help us. Some of the people that have supported us, some fairly strongly, even over this past year, have passed away. They've gone on to be with the Lord. Praise the Lord. But their support has you know, been eliminated, obviously. I know you understand that, but it, it's, and it's not just one or two, it's several. And they were significant supporters of this ministry their whole life, right to the end. 
But I would like to encourage you, for whatever reason, if you see the value in what we're doing, please help us. I'll see you Monday.